I saw the whole deaf and dumb school healed en masse. And I turned around and I saw their teachers crying because they'd lost their job now. Joy is actually a skill. Contentment is actually a skill. These things come out of maturity. I would say to my younger self, there is a life available for more joy and more meaning and more adventure and more satisfaction, but it's a life that you cannot get independently. Hey guys, welcome back to the Incense Podcast. This week, we sat down with Dave Eitmiller and Justin Lukasevich, whose name and voice you've heard before in the podcast. In this most recent issue of Incense Magazine, Justin wrote an article for us on ultra running, something that he's recently got into and something that I'm personally pretty fascinated with, the kind of person that wants to go do this kind of thing. But he did not get into it alone. Justin has apprenticed himself to ultra running sage and guru Dave Eitmiller, friend of multiple members of the team here at Ransom Tart. This was such a fascinating episode not only on committing long-term to a discipline, not only the lessons of incredibly difficult sports, but the opportunity just to sit in the presence of Dave, someone who spent a long time developing his soul, and it is his soul in the space of running this sport, and then his relationship with Justin, this very intentional master apprentice thing that they have embraced over the past several years. Lots to be had in this episode and you might find yourself running a little more afterwards. You guys just finished a 100K race and went through four storms? Five? I counted at least four. Not all of them hit us. How many, how many hit us? Uh, at least two. Enough to make us run, <laughs> like, like you were saying. Like, yeah, like I think we get need to get moving. It's mile 40. Like, yeah, so. Yes, it does encourage you to do something more than what you would normally do at yeah, mile 40 or I remember 50. running at one point sort of through an open field up high and there was just this flash of lightning it it may have been right behind us I didn't see where it hit but I just realized at that point that lightning is a really good motivator and my legs no longer hurt and we just sort of took off <laughs> well, we had no choice. We were in this big open, like, timber clearing, and it's like... <laughs> exactly I, where they and, say you shouldn't be. Yeah, exactly. And the <laughs> yes. mind is going through, where should you be in a lightning storm? Not here. <laughs> but we are here. And, oh, we go over a hill. Oh, there's still more. We got, oh, there's... So... And 40 miles in, your legs are feeling particularly yeah. fresh and oh, yes. <laughs> right. ready to put on a burst yeah. of energy. Yeah. But adrenaline, adrenaline has a, a way of helping you do things. So do you just build up a tolerance to running through high-altitude storms, or was this moment oh, it's in all this in race? The moment. It's all in the moment. Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not even a training, like, right? Like that lightning, the thunder. I just saw like this. It's, it's almost like you're in a dark room, if you can picture that, and somebody flashes the light on. That's what that lightning was. I remember there were several flashes of lightning. But that one in particular was like all-encompassing. Where did that just hit? The whole thing just lit up. And all right, it's time to run. <laughs> I mean, do you have like a certain t level that you've been experiencing of suffering so that when the hail comes, 
you're not like, oh man, we should probably stop. And like, this is too much suffering because you're like, no, it's all suffering and it's all joy. I, 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 th- I think, In I some assume. Way, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't really train for the weather, like, cause that just sort of comes or doesn't come. And I, I'll just say that that was, well, I probably had more weather on this race than I've ever had. Hmm. Um, I don't know, maybe I've been fortunate, but you can't really train for weather. But you mentioned how do you train for suffering? There's definitely a mental aspect of hours of mm-hmm. tired legs and mentally forcing yourself to go on. I think I said, Justin, you, you're um, you're like running every time I run and walking every time I walk. He says, yeah, I, I wouldn't be where I am right now if you weren't in front of me and I was just following you because I'd just say, this is too hard. Let's just stop. Yeah, if I was by I would just I would just walk. There's a mental training for sure that is... Oh, this is what it feels like to hurt. And and at the end or at the middle of a race, just like embracing that, like it's just a feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm not going to die. It's going to pass. I've been here before. I know what this feels like. Hmm. That's an interesting feeling. <laughs> Let's just keep going. I want there to be like a set and consistent number of like those walls that come. I want you to be able to tell me, okay, Sam, so every three miles it's going to be hard and then you'll get over it. And like, if mm, you can right. just be aware. It's going to pass in two and a half minutes. I want it to be a formula. <laughs> like I want it to be, because let's be honest, yeah. I have not <laughs> run 60 plus miles. I don't like that's, I hit those thresholds. It feels like five minutes into a given run. There obviously is not a formula of like, yeah. well, you're going to experience it X many times. Yeah. And there's not, yeah, and but you you want to, like I want to at the beginning of a race, a 60-mile race or whatever it is, to know exactly what I need to do to finish when I want to finish. Like Justin and I both put together these splits, which is, you know, how far, how long is it going to take you to get from this aid station to this aid station, this aid station, this aid station, how many gels you're going to take between, like everything is dialed in. A lot of people don't do that, and we probably shouldn't, but we do. Because we want to try and dial it in so we have a formula. But it never happens that way. It never, <laughs> never. like, you, you get 40 miles in and it's like, oh, I can't eat this stuff anymore, you know? I can't eat this. And the thought, stuff I thought I could eat, I I can't eat. I think I can't eat, I can eat. And But it never it never happens that way. You never, you, you, you can never run that distance without some uncertainty coming in. I think that's part of the attraction to it, like, you do everything you can to be prepared, but when the uncertain thing happens, and it will happen, what do you do about it? You know, it, mm. it sort of requires you to step up. I mean, that lightning storm, those lightning storms we had, mm-hmm. the first ridge we're going over, there's this massive storm coming through. I was like, okay, where is that going to go? What are we going to do right. if it comes towards us? Yep. I, I think it just requires something of you that is unexpected. Would I have liked a nice sunny day on that race? Yeah. But we didn't get it, and that's happening today. So what are you going to do? And I think there were several times as I look back on my last, I don't know, four to six months of training, things and situations that I got into that I wasn't planning for, that there were times when I the thought of, I just kind of want to stop and cry, (laughs) really (laughs) was there. And And most of the time, I just laugh. <laughs> I think, well, I have to keep going. 
Like, what am I going to do? I'm in the middle of nowhere. You can't just pick up a phone and call your wife to come get you. There's no cell service. And I mean, just a couple of times, um, one was, I I don't know, a month and a half ago, ended up on a 30 mile training run, trying to check out a new trail that the map said was there, but it clearly did not exist. And then I was in over my head and couldn't slash didn't want to go back. And there was some bushwhacking. And this was like 22 miles or so into this run. And it sucked. And and I remember thinking at the time, like, hey, this is really good mental training for I don't know what I'm going to get into. I'm never going to be back here. I know that. But whatever happens during a race, you know, it's not to plan for lightning striking or a thunderstorm or, you know, whatever. We were all at an event together um, earlier this year and we got hit by a huge snowstorm. And then the next day it was like 70 degrees. And so I think, great, I'm going to go out for a run. It's going to be a little muddy, maybe some slushy here and there. And I came back and my shins were just bloody from the abrasion of like shin deep snow over and over and over again. I probably only ran for, I don't know, seven miles or something. But I remember thinking in the midst of that, that this hurts and it'll pass and it's good mental training for whatever's going to come up. Hopefully I'll never be in that snow again, but I don't know. I guess I'm the kind of person that sees those things and I have no other opportunity than to say, yeah, this is an opportunity and it sucks, but I guess it's going to grow me or I'm going to cry. It's very clear that you guys have a certain level of commitment to this sport. And I'm very curious about the sort of buy-in and worldview that lets you go, wow, mental training, this is great. I just want to ask, how far are you into the sport of ultra running? And I guess maybe in terms of years and races. And can you remember, was there a moment of buy-in into ultra running where you just sort of realized or acknowledged, I'm going to stay in this sport? So I started, I don't know, a year and a half ago. I wasn't even a runner before that. You know, I started and ran my first mile and I told myself it was fun, <laughs> but it was around the a couple blocks in my town. But I think the buy-in was when I first started building up a little bit of endurance over a couple of weeks, getting out on the trails and just seeing these things that I had never seen before because now I'm going further in a, in a shorter amount of time than I was in just these landscapes that I can go through. And it's those types of things, at least for me, that make all of that worthwhile. So now, yeah, we did a 64-mile race this last weekend. And, man, I just – we Dave and I were running together, and I, were, I was behind you at one point, and I, I was just laughing. You probably didn't even hear me, but I was just laughing, thinking, this – is so cool. Who else gets to be here and to do this? It's just incredible. And it's moments like that, that I had that buy-in that you talked about. I've been doing it a bit longer than Justin, um, which is part of the cool story. I think that, you know, we've done this together for a year and a half now, but I probably had 20 ultras under my belt, 300 mile races. You know, the races are, are like 3% of the time. Like, that's not what it's about. It's when it all comes together and you're putting 60 miles together or 40 or 50 or 100. But if you're doing it just to achieve something, 
um, it's a long road. Like, and mm-hmm. y- you won't, it's not sustainable to, I want to achieve running an ultra. Or maybe that's a one event, one time event. But I mean, I think for Justin and I both, it's the epic lifestyle. It's the epic adventure of the whole process of getting there that um, is attractive. Mm-hmm. Being out and just unplugged. I mean, there's so much stuff that confuses life these days, right? And to just like put on a pair of shoes and some pants and go running for right. four hours away from everything. I I don't listen to music. I don't listen to podcasts. Very rarely. It's just out there with friends and yourself and unplugging. I think it's the unplugging of, yeah. of from everything that confuses that has been so attractive to me. Yeah. And then to occasionally have these epic days where you dial everything in and you travel 60 miles across the mountains. And like Justin said, who gets to do this? Like, this is amazing. I definitely imagine if someone had recorded your laughter, that it might have sounded a little crazed in my <laughs> oh, mind. Sure, like you sure. running along. Just Evil scientist. <laughs> exhausted. <laughs> uh, Dave, I love what you're saying about the unplugging and, and the, the focusing on just the world around you and getting to leave all of this chaos behind. I have to name, though, there's a lot of other ways to do that that aren't what I think certainly I assume and probably a lot of other people assume is such a painful thing like running gets distilled into this idea of like if you want to be fit you should go run and it's Mm -hmm. probably gonna suck Mm -hmm. um and so the idea of i'm going to go run for four hours like i I don't know that my body could do that like there are many ways to unplug and there's many ways to experience the epic is there something unique and specific about running and maybe even the the trail running because four hours you can't just keep running around a track that long you you will go crazy um, what is it about the particularity of ultras that you think has made this so popular? Because it really has risen in the last right. yeah. few years, it feels like. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I don't know if I could speak to why is it so popular. I had never really thought about that for everybody, but I know for me, and and I'll be, for, running's not for everyone. Like my wife runs 2.7 miles once a week, and I ask, well, why don't you go three? No. No, 2.7. Okay. <laughs> not 2.6, nope. not 2.8. She's got a route and she, okay, great. But, uh, so <laughs> running's beautiful. not for her, you know? I can't separate running and trail running and epic big runs from who I am. Mm. Um, I just have always gravitated towards long journeys uh, on my feet from the time I was a kid. Um it was shut down when I was a kid for a number of situations I was in. And so like coming into ultra running was like a rediscovery, a restoration, a redemption of what I feel was really lost and who I was meant to be. During a hundred mile race last year or before a hundred mile race last year, um, my coach asked me to write down, why are my, why are I doing this? And it's, it's sort of one of his tricks. Like, why are you running a hundred miles? Because you're going to need to know why you're running a hundred miles at about mile 80 or sooner. And so I sat down and I journaled. I just like, I wrote out everything. And the way I did it was I looked at, um, I watched a Western States documentary. And I I was like getting choked up watching this documentary. Like, why? Why would a 59-year-old man be getting choked up watching people run a Western States 100-mile race? But I just wrote down, what is this? And I was asking the father, what is this that you're bringing up in my heart? 
I shared it with a good friend of mine. I said, what do you think about this, Chris? Like, here's what I've written down for why I'm doing a 100-mile race. And he said, you know, this this is you. Like, everything you've written down here is you. And you get a, you get a time, a, a one-day time or a half a day or whatever it is you're running during that space where you get to be 100% yourself. This is your realm. This is your who you're meant to be. And you you get this space to just live out who you are in a day and to celebrate it at the end of the day too. I think that's partly what drives me into this sport and what keeps me going is that I just have a space there that I can go out and just be myself. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable simply because I want to name, I think even and especially to the generation we're a part of, there's some, I don't know, tacit assumption that being yourself involves being witnessed, that if you're, you know, really living out who you are, it's going to be accompanied by the affirmation of friends, a consequence to a group of people. And that's definitely true in a sense. But what you're describing is that there's a kind of joy and goodness available in fulfilling your identity it makes me think of uh, Charles Manley Hopkins. That's not his name. His last last part is Hopkins, though, the Catholic poet um, who concludes a poem like, every creature cries, what I do is me, for this I came. Mm. And mm. that there's actually just something about doing what you're meant to do that is life-giving and even yes. life-bringing in itself. Though for you, you're just off in the mountains, literally no one around for often hundreds of miles in any direction, hopefully, if the race is well-planned. You talked about losing it and then regaining it. Do you remember like the first long run that you went on? I mean, how did it happen? Was it a short run and then you just decided, I'm just going to go a dozen more right now? Uh, uh, do you remember when you did that, Justin? I <laughs> We've done that a number of times together. Yeah, well, that wasn't my first time. It was probably yours. <laughs> like, what? We're going to do 30 miles? Yeah. And I, you know, it's interesting thinking through that question, Blaine, because um, a long run a year ago is different than a long run today. And I think at some point for different people that long, the long run in quotes is means different things, you know, to some people, especially like short distance road runners or like, yeah, I want to run a half marathon. Their long run might be six miles, which I think both of us w wouldn't consider that a long run. And just in the overall scheme of what we're doing and, you know, um, six miles would be a short run for, for both of us right now. Um, but I remember working up, um, and, and doing my first eight mile run on a trail. And there's a loop that I do now all the time and a 16 mile run. W the first time I did that was with you, Dave, it turned into 20 mile runs. And <laughs> I don't know, we went out the other day to, I was going to do 16 and Dave talked me into doing 22. You, you sort of work up to that. And I, I go into him thinking, I think I can do this. I've, I've, I've trained well, like this last weekend, I'd never run 64 miles before. My furthest was around 50. I've done two 50 mile races and part of the fear and trepidation in going into this race was, 
all right, I've trained for this. I know I can do it. It's only 14 miles longer. And I know that sounds like a lot to, to most people, but when you've done it, 50... It is, hang on. It is a lot. All right. <laughs> it, it sounds, sure. I'm one of those people okay. that sounds like a lot to Name it right. what it is. It right. is a lot. And I, right. And I get that. But, but to finish a 50-mile race and think, I'm really tired, and we did that, I think, six weeks before this 64-mile race, to finish 50 miles and think, all right, 14 more, yeah, it's going to hurt. It, of course it's going to hurt. 50 hurt. But could I do 14 realistically? Sure. Um, they're going to be a lot slower than the first you know, The first 14 were for sure. But, you know, leading up to doing things that are longer, I think that's always the fear in my mind is that, gosh, I don't I don't know if I can do. I've never done that before. And and there's fear around that, around doing something that big and that epic for the first time. Something I've experienced personally on the much smaller scale um, is that things seem to be difficult where I expect them to be difficult. Meaning that like if I'm going to go out several years ago when I was in college, I trained for a half marathon. And when I would go out for a run that was going to be six miles, around mile five, like things would really hurt. And then I got to mile six and I'd be tired. And then the next week I'd go for a four mile run. And I'd feel the same way I felt at <laughs> yes. mile six, yep. but at mile three. Uh-huh. And it was this weird game of, wow, when I am going as far as I say I'm going to go, like that, I, there's almost this self-imposed feeling that comes. Does that hold true for when you guys are doing a, a 50 versus a 64 versus, I mean, a, when you go out to run 14 miles and you turn it into 26 or something like that, that like element of surprise can be really difficult. And yeah. What do you what do you do with like the self imposed like that expected difficulty? Yeah. I mean, I think I think any of these long races are are mental games more than they're physical games. Yeah. De- you know, physical demands. I mean, certainly you have to be trained up for it. Like you're not going to go run 100 miles, which is probably a good conversation to have. Like this is not something you can go out and buy. <laughs> this is something that requires a process, and it's a long process. And most people don't think that process is long as it should is is they think it should be shorter i remember i did my first 50 and a friend of mine was doing 100 and i paced him and i thought gosh how can you do 100 miles like at the end of 50 i got to turn around and do it again like no way paul i'm not doing that i I don't see how you can do this and he's like no it's it's a totally different mindset because you're starting out knowing you're going to be doing that and so you're pacing yourself in a different way i think your mind dials into what what you're planning to do and if you're thinking about oh a 26 mile race and or 26 mile training run i'm two miles into it okay let's see i got 24 more 22 more to go 23 more i mean you cannot think about it that way it's it's got to be okay we're out here for four hours let's settle in let's let's be in the moment let's enjoy where we're at i think even said that during this race one time let's just just be where we're at. Like, look where we are. I mean, we're at 11,500 feet. Just be here. Let's just be in this moment now where we're at. And I think that is also one of the freeing things about ultra running is like you're forced to put yourself in that mindset of let's be here now. This is all we can deal with. Mm. Not the fact that we have another 45 miles to go mm-hmm. or two miles to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something I love about uh, 
the story of outside looking in is the dynamic of the relationship that you guys had of like, Justin, you did not run. And then you had a conversation. It was like, I think you'd like this, think you could do it. And I know you had a different experience last year training than this year. Yeah, for sure. Which maybe you can say more on, but I'm, what I'm really love to hear on is what has the experience been like for you guys, Justin, as having someone to teach you and, and, and mm-hmm. welcome you into it. And mm-hmm. then also Dave, as you get to offer, like most people would kill for that in anything. And so yeah. I would just love yeah. to hear a little bit of what that relationship has been like for you guys. Yeah. I think, I think for me, I mean, my wife, Christine knows that for years I was saying, ah, oh, I want to do trail running, not even ultra running. I didn't even know that was a thing, but to run a mile on the trail, I was a, I was an avid hiker with 14ers out, you know, 14,000 foot peaks here in Colorado. And I loved it. And I always considered myself a very fast hiker, like fast packing, fast hiking. And so I wanted to take that next step towards running on the trails, but it always seemed painful. <laughs> and and I would always talk to Christine, man, that'd be so much fun. It can cover so much more distance in the same amount of time and just see things that are further out there that other people don't see. And um, then I had another friend invite me into a shorter trail race. And this guy is n- would not consider himself much of a runner. And, um, and I was like, oh yeah, okay. This is kind of cool. This is sort of my my intro into this and the, the race that we were signing up for was a half mile or sorry, a half marathon on the trails. And, um, we ended up taking it really slow, but I trained for it. Dave started giving me some pointers and it wasn't until then. And then I really started doing it on my own too. And I would do something and I come back to Dave and I'd say, gosh, what am I doing wrong here? Or, you know, learning even things on my own, where I would go out and and I'd like, all right, man, we're we're running, right? And I would even separate this what we call ultra running, and really call it, you're going fast for a day because there's a lot of hiking, there's a lot of walking in the 64 mile race, um, but I would go out super fast and end up having to walk, and like walk back to the car instead of learning from people like Dave. Like, no, like what you were saying earlier, Dave, we're in the mindset of this is four hours. We're not going out fast. And um, Dave, um, uh, probably about a year ago, maybe a little bit further out than that, you invited me to pace you overnight at a one of your 100-mile races. So I ended up doing the last 40 with Dave, which at the time was my longest run. And so much fear going into that and on my end thinking – I've never run 40 miles. Dave's going to leave me and forever for the rest of my life, I'm just going to be branded as this guy who couldn't, I'm only running 40 Dave's running a hundred and I can't keep up with him. And, but that's not, that's one of the things I learned from you, Dave, is that what you said earlier, like, this is the mindset where, where you're going into this thinking seven 30 in the morning start, we're going to finish sometime the next mid morning. And that's your mindset going into it. And yeah, just so many things like that, that I've learned from you, Dave, along the way that I, I honestly don't know, you know, there's YouTube, like you can, and I've watched some of the YouTube videos and they're great, but, but getting out for, for two hours or four hours or eight hours with somebody 
and having a whole lot of silence, but also having a whole lot of really good conversations and a lot of it around, um, here's how you eat, here's how you drink, here's how you pace, here's how you do hills. And the first hill, you remember that hill that, that we went on and it was, Dave probably waited for me for 15 minutes at the top of it. 10 minutes. It was a long time. But but those things that somebody like me can learn just from that mentoring, mentor slash mentee aspect are are invaluable. It's it's nearly impossible to get that that level of quality and, and that sort of stuff any other way. It's hmm. hmm. good to hear you talk about that, Justin. I, I as an older man, like it does my heart such good to see Justin doing what he's doing and having been a part of that journey. I mean, you've done the work, but you've been the one who's been open, who's been inquisitive, who's been willing to correct the way you're doing things or to be be humble about saying, oh, well, you're not supposed to go out fast. So, Dave, how about I do this? And, you know, I, I think that relationship, as you're talking about, Sam, is... I mean, it's been so good for me. It's not something I expected to have Justin finishes the one of the hardest 50-mile races this summer in the country with this grin across his face. I don't know if you guys saw the picture, but like he didn't look that way at mile 45. He was laying in the grass and he thought he was going to puke. But then he's he's done and he's got this like, oh, this is just he just did this race. It is it really is satisfying to me like oh you still have something to offer dave it's this is a this is it's been good and i uh, the the picture um that comes to my mind actually is um at the end of antoine fisher the movie antoine fisher antoine comes back to see the counselor denzel washington and he just says hey i i went and saw my family i did everything you told me to it's been great thank you you know, for what you did. And and Denzel just sort of looks at him like, thank me, like what you, what I did for you? No, son, no, no, it's what you've done for me. And I feel, I, I really feel like that in our relationship, Justin, you know, like, yes, you've come through, you've done this, you've done these races, you love, you're enjoying something, you're, you're stepping into, I think, a part of who you are. And you could say, wow, thanks, Dave. But I feel like, wow, like, I don't feel like I did it so that you did it. I feel like it's been a relationship where I've benefited. And I thought about there during the race, too. There were times when I was pulling you. It was most mm-hmm. of the time. But <laughs> but there were also times where, like, you were in front of me. And it was later on in the race. And I'm an older man. I'm getting tired, fatigued earlier than you are. And you're pulling me up a hill. And I'm thinking, this is good. This is This is what a relationship looks like over time. Like there will be times when I will need younger men to help me through life. And uh, and it was great to be behind you and have you pulling me up a, a hill that I probably would have gone a lot slower in. That's beautiful. I want to return to uh, something you said of can't be bought. It's a long process. Love just to hear more. And then I am curious about what did it require of you to actually rejoice in that fact? Uh, to actually, because it's true. There are lots of things and even lots of sports that offer a pretty fast return. 
and then you train your soul to expect a fast return. And then, but you know, if you look at ultra running, it's so, sort of so far out there. It's like, okay, try to do this fast. You can't. It won't be possible. Here is, you know, the world's slowest progressing sport, <laughs> and somehow that's become something that you actually enjoy. Just what has it? What does it require to like? Uh, slow, immovable processes. Yeah, I think it's something you guys said on a, a, po- a, po- a po- another podcast recently strikes me, and that is that reality is your friend. And I think that ultra running and that sort of that process that you're talking about, which is a long process, at the beginning just seems daunting and like, wow, really? But there's a sense of it that there's a lot of stuff in life that just takes a long time. And you can deny that. You can do the shortcuts. You can find ways to get through it. But it just doesn't doesn't happen that way. I mean, you don't build a marriage in a year. You don't raise your kids, you know, overnight. Um, you don't become an expert in anything quickly. And so I think just settling into the reality and being on this side of that process brings a tremendous amount of, like, peace and settling. Like, oh, okay, this is, even though it's a long process, you, you can do it and you can you can get to the point where it's been good and the process itself is actually something to be embraced. Like it's a journey. Mm-hmm. Races are a celebration of what you've already done. Yeah. It's not a proof that you've achieved something. Like you've already achieved something. You are already a good runner. And today we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate all that you've done and all the process that's been a part of it. It's a celebration when um, we step into those races. So, uh, yeah, I think it's just, there's a goodness to accepting that there are things that are worth doing that take a long time and a lot of effort. And it's good to step into that because there's much to be seen and experienced along the way, as, as Justin and I have, have seen over the last year and a half. Do you find yourself pulling more and more away from the things that come quickly because of experiencing the things that come slowly and how much value those have? Is there something in you that kind of goes, I, I don't want the things that can be bought anymore then? Yeah, it, it's almost like I don't trust it. Like, really? Hmm. Like, you, uh, I, is that true? Is that is there is there something good that can be gained quickly? Hmm. I don't know, maybe. But um, I think the richness of the journey is what attracts me out. It's not the, oh, I can get this, but the journey, the process, the... The pathway is is what in, in itself is rich. Yeah, I look back just at this last 100K race that we did, and um, there were some unbelievably cool experiences and views. But then I look back at all of the training runs that I did getting to that point, and I think, man, there's there are things there that you can't get in a race that – you know, I would do, a, I did a 30 mile training run and I saw like three people the entire day. And, and it's almost, it's, it's the collection of that stuff that without that you can't do 64 miles. And so yes, that race is incredible, but it's, it's the collection of all of these other little things that we've had to do and get to do leading up to that, that make that, I mean, those are almost more incredible in a, in a completely different way. 
it's so good because I think of many of the ways that we judge each other's lives these days and it's almost like a snapshot it's an Instagram it's a 10 second like here I am I'm presenting myself to you you meet an old buddy the stories we might tell to kind of try and paint a picture of ourselves and there's almost no way of judging whether it's valuable or real or not um certainly we've made our opinions known on how we feel about your social media persona and whether that is valuable but I, I love the language you guys are using of like this on that day you don't get to like fake it if you have been making other choices that will be made clear and if it does feel like there's society is, is built to kind of avoid such situations because how many people want that not even out like this is take something other than ultra running like the examples you gave of raising your kids or your marriage like we don't have the okay let's line everybody up and talk about your last 20 years of marriage race day and whether or not that's going to be a celebration or something that sucks a little bit to examine so I love that piece of here we are and this is something that we get to now like stand on because of choices that we've made um it's awesome I, I think there's a there's like this settling across a lot of people that hard is bad to be avoided at all costs. And it's a very feelings-driven world that we live in. And so the objective is to feel good. The objective is to avoid pain, to avoid suffering, to avoid anything that's hard and find the way to make it easy. And that's just not always the way it is. Most of the time it's not for what's really important. So I think there's a lot of strength and learning that comes from suffering through an ultra race or the training of it that settles my spirit to say, no, it's okay. Like when stuff gets hard, when things get difficult um, in other areas of life, this doesn't mean it's bad. It's just, it is, it is life. It's, it's, a, it's a something we have to work through. One of my favorite expressions of this comes from, you know, we're putting together this hard copy anthology, the first of a set of yearly anthologies of Anson's articles. And we have this interview with a boxing coach that we really liked. And we were asking him, who can box? What's it take? How do you? And his response was just really beautiful. He just goes, anyone can box. Boxing is not rocket science. Boxing is very simple. You just have to be comfortable with the fact that it reveals you. And hmm. we're just talking is like, you shy away because I, you know, would know right now just all of the areas that I have low tolerance for pain, low tolerance for not being rewarded quickly, and all of that becomes clear. And it's even that becoming clear that's some of my aversion to these things that look very difficult. I've been like, oh man, yes, I don't want to be a beginning runner, but I just don't want to be an obvious beginner beginner <laughs> who's going, oh man, is, is it always, does it always hurt this much? Do you get just more comfortable being sore and then trying to do the rest of your day? I just want to lie in an ice bath. <laughs> Maybe this is like part of the Western world just effects on me, but I finally realized the other day that when I experience difficult things, especially in the physical arena, I kind of assume it's easier for everyone else. Like, I think it's really hard for me and somehow everybody else is either like more just biologically attuned for the thing that we're doing or they've had more time to be doing the thing. And I have this very this sort of pitying moment of myself. Where I'm like, oh, this is just, it's not supposed to be harder. It, it's 
I'm the only one experiencing this level of suffering. And I had this moment of like, oh, what if that's not true, Sam? Like, what if this is something that the guy going faster than you is suffering just as much, but he has put in more miles so that his suffering has different levels of output. Right. I'm wondering if for you guys, there's there's moments on these races that are these beautiful laughing as you're running on these ridgelines, probably happy to be alive and not being struck by lightning. <laughs> there, are, there have to be moments where you go, I have made a horrible mistake. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to count how many times I thought that in the last race. It was a lot. No, to your to your point of that suffering, I do. I think that it's different for everybody. There's an elite runner who lives out here in Colorado Springs that I really enjoy watching because from start to finish, he is giving his all. And it's almost like he disregards pacing. It's like the gun goes off and he's gone. It doesn't matter if it's a 5K or a 100K. And he comes back at that finish line. If he makes it back, because a lot of times he blows up, and but when he does, it's spectacular when he blows up. And But he gives it his all. And I've seen a number of videos of him crossing finish line where I don't know if I could. He's he's hauling, first of all. And and even when I'm fresh, I'm not running that fast. But there there is a physiology that he's built up over years. Uh, he might be blessed with a higher VO2 max just naturally than other people, and that happens. But then all of that work and training that he's put in and the videos that I've seen of him crossing finish lines, like, that guy is all in. And it's it's incredible. And sometimes my all in is the, this two races ago, as Dave mentioned, I was laying in the bushes, and I'm thinking I have this in-reach emergency communicator with this SOS button and I can hit it and search and rescue is eventually going to show up and find me and somehow get me out of there. And I had to make the decision between pushing that, which is really going through my mind or getting up and putting one foot in front of the other. And it sucked. It's horrible. And I have never thought that anybody could ever move that slow. It was like if you've ever seen a sloth in a zoo <laughs> and picture like twice as slow as that, like one foot and then the other foot is like two inches. And I don't know how long I did that. Um, but that, I, I don't know. It's that, it's that suffering, but on a different level. And so I've had a number of those and they come and they go. And like we mentioned before, lightning kind of makes th- a lot of things inconsequential in your life. Like, uh, my knees hurt a second ago, but all of a sudden they don't. Let's We should probably run to those trees that are a mile away. And so there's a lot. And the longer the race, I think the more you have that. I don't know, Dave, maybe you could talk about You've done a couple, a few hundred mile races. D- does that come more, more often? Or I guess, is it more likely to happen a lot of times in a longer race? Gosh, what, you, what I, I don't know if I, ever felt like I made a mistake because I, I do really love this. Um, it is a part of me from uh, the time I was a kid, as I said earlier, but the thought I have is this is the last one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Like Justin knows, like I, I like it past mile 50, a couple of times I said, I think I'm done with long races. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm really interested in the half marathon that I'm going to do later this year. This sounds really like, let's be done in two hours and we can go have lunch. <laughs> but I, I'm, I, 
I'm sort of getting past that. It's been two days or three days, and I'm actually— You're not retiring anymore? No. Okay, good. Not, particularly <laughs> if I get into Western states. But anyways, <laughs> Sam, you were talking about um, how people start to run, and, and they're, um, they're like, this is hard, and that guy's running faster than me. I think one of the most common things I hear about from people, and I think it's it, it relates to our lives as well, is that they go out and they want to start running, and they think they have to go out and run hard and be super mean to themselves. Like you have to beat yourself up in order to be a runner. And um, they come back wiped out, like after three miles. It's like, why were you running so fast? Well, because you're supposed to run. Why, why don't you just like walk and run, walk and run, and then next week maybe you'll run, run, and walk and like be kind to yourself. Like this is your body is able to adapt. You're able to adapt to things in life, but don't put so much pressure on yourself to have it happen today. It's okay to settle into the process that it is and and go with it. I think there's a lot of of lessons in that sort of approach to living. You, you don't have to sprint all the time. Like there is a time for heavy workouts, and then there's most of the time is just easy running, being kind to yourself. I almost wish I would have started here, but as you guys have been talking, I've been noticing your contrasting shirts. And <laughs> what I want to ask is, what's the story of those shirts, and what happened in those events? Okay, I had to look at what I was wearing. <laughs> this was the the first trail race that I ever ran. Um, it was called a flyathlon and it was, it's sort of a, it's a fundraiser for, I can't, I can't remember the organization, but they rehabilitate streams and yep, here in Colorado. And so for fishing and so the flyathlon is a three event, sort of like a triathlon consisting of running, fishing and beer drinking. And there's, there's no three very good things, right? Three of my favorite things. And so, um, the beer drinking is not, uh, is not a, an official timed event, but uh, you just sort of get to celebrate at the end. And so it was 13.1-ish miles. That's kind of the funny thing about these trail races most of the time is, yeah, it's a 50K, which would be 31 miles, but it might be 36. And so our 100K at 62 miles, you know, it was 64. Um, So I don't know, this was around 13 miles. And um that was my first one and it was 13 miles and yeah, now that would be considered on the, the shorter end of a long run, I guess. But, um, it was a long run at the time. Didn't your cornhole skills come into play? <laughs> that was part of the semifinals. Yeah, it was, that's a really funny story. I ended up catching the smallest fish of the entire event. Some people were catching like 15 inch fish, like hiking way back there. And like, you have to carry your fishing gear and stop. And it was, it was really pretty cool. It was, uh, it was a, it was a unique event. And I was just so like, I, I just want to run and I want to separate running and fishing in my mind. And we had to stop and fish. And now I'm frustrated because I have to catch a fish in a hurry. And the bigger the fish for every inch, you, you get subtracted like five minutes from your time or something. And I was just so happy to catch one. I was like, great, I'm done. And I took a picture of it. You have a little ruler that you carry and came back. And I thought, it's, you know, they, then they told me, hey, you, you, you might have the smallest one. And I was like, I don't know if that's good or bad, but great. I'm just done with this. 
And I was running with a guy who didn't have very much fun out there. Uh, he probably could have trained a little bit more. But we ran together the whole time. He helped me fish a lot like our relationship. He helped me fish, and I helped him kind of complete the run. And it was like we got through the day, and and um, then I found out that I had the smallest one. And so, like, all these people with, like, the fastest times, the biggest fish, they were all competing for, like, the grand prize. And I was like, great, I'm glad I don't have to do that. I'm going home. It's like the day after my anniversary. Christine's not there. I just want to get out of here. And I hear this guy running, Justin, Justin. I was like, like we're packing up the tent, just ready, five minutes from leaving. Hey, you have to come do these semifinals. I was like, are you kidding me? All right, let me, I don't even know what we're doing. And uh, it's just a funny story, but we ended up doing cornhole horseshoes uh probably something else and then beer can shooting with a bb gun turns out that i took the whole thing won first place the grand prize in this entire thing and um yeah it was a really it was a fun event um totally unplanned (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how you follow that like the one that i had on this morning i smelled it and it stunk so i put this one on (laughs) this is the shirt from last year's race and i i like i like the logo and i like the color i think it looks good good on me it does thank you so that's why i have it on blaine i'm was that like, the same race that, that you guys just still, did? It was yeah, just a year it, ago. So it was the same race. I did it last year. And one thing I'm really psyched about was I did it this year an hour faster than last year and a year older. I was really psyched. And I think this is part of, part of the story of this race we haven't actually talked about yet. But it relates to our relationship, Justin and I. You know, we had run that race, uh, that 50-mile race a month or so ago. And mm-hmm. you were about an hour slower than me, which is sort of what we, yep, just we, we expected. Hour, um, and so we went into this race thinking, you know, Justin's going to be a certain time and I'm going to be faster than him. And at mile one, I'm going to leave him and I'll see him at the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we start and it's dawn and we're running down the trail together and just running at our own pace. And we get um, get to the first aid station together. Like, oh, this is cool. And then we go on the first really big climb, and, and I lost I, I lost him. He's behind me. And I'm like, okay, I guess this, this is where I leave Justin. It was a really hard climb. <laughs> it was. It was like the incline. And so we got. I got top, and Justin's gone. I, you know, he's, I can't see him. And 15 minutes later, I turn around, and Justin's behind me. I'm like, dude, what, <laughs> where'd you come from? He's like, oh, I'm feeling pretty good. Like, great, you know? So we get to, like, the third aid station together. We get to the fourth aid, and Justin's saying, Dave, I hope you're not slowing down for me. And like, no, no, I'm just going at my pace. I'm right on track with where I want to be. And we, we ended up running that race together the entire way. Like, that is, it's just so unprecedented. It's so... Um, unusual even if i was to pick somebody to run a race with me there's so much stuff that could go wrong that that mm-hmm. wouldn't happen mm-hmm. and you know justin Wallace joke and say if dave has a really bad day and I have a good day we'll run together well i had a great day and justin had an, an even greater day and we came in like a second we ran together all the mm-hmm. way through the entire race and i just thought wow what a kind gift from the father to give us that it's something yeah. we never would have right expected or fabricated or worked out i mean mm-hmm. it was like the third way that i never ex- you know just uh, totally unexpected to be mm-hmm. able to to do that and it was particularly um helpful to me when it was dark 
I would have been by myself mm. to have Justin and to have both of each other together to go mm-hmm. through that you know period of time and and say, hey, it's two more miles. Let's let's get this thing done together. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm.